welcome back to the podcast. Oh, which podcast? Love, Life, and Legacy, silly. What's that about, you say? Oh, well, let me tell you, it's the definitive podcast for anybody looking to achieve sexual wholeness, sexual fulfillment as it pertains to your ideals, to God, and to world peace. And if that doesn't wake you up, you just should not listen because you don't want joy. Anyway, today's episode is super cool. We have a guy all the way out in Germany being interviewed by Sammy who deals in the business of crisis intervention. That means like he's a firefighter of the heart and soul. He goes into messy situations and he helps people to avoid crucial disasters. And who doesn't need that? So he lays out who his therapies are for and what, what it looks like to work on yourself in prevention. Don't wait until a crisis occurs. Prevent them from occurring at all by taking some precautionary steps. So let's get into it with Yoni from Germany. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Love, Life, and Legacy, the show about sex. I'm here today, a super awesome guest. I'm really excited to introduce Yoni Makunen. He's first off a awesome friend, someone I met a couple years ago in Germany, one of the coolest guys I know, but also a trained counselor. Licensed social worker, family coach. He does incredible work. So I'm excited to have you here with us, Yoni. Hey, good morning, Sammy. Thank you so much for the kind words. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here to talk to you. I love talking to you anyway. So why not record a few minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have so many awesome conversations. It's a, it's a shame that we don't just record them and put them out in the world. <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I'll let you talk about the work that you do because it's to me, it's incredible. And I also don't think I can <laughs> grasp the whole scope of all the many different things that you do. So I'll let you introduce yourself as a professional. Okay. Well, what do I do? Yeah, I help families and couples uh, to lead greater lives and relationships. Basically, around seven years ago, I started working as a family counselor, first for a, a bigger organization here close where I live. And yeah, how did I get into that? It was not always on my agenda to work with people in that way. I started studying sports for a little bit. I really like sports, so that was always my thing. But then after a while, I didn't like the system. You know, I didn't really know also where I was going with that. But I talked to my sister and she just said, you know, Yoni, you're very good with people. You have so many friends. You're great with interacting with people. So I just randomly applied for a different school back in Vienna where I lived at that time. I got in, it was great, and I really realized, you know, also from my life experiences, oh, yeah, th that could be a good fit, you know, to work with families. Always had pretty interestingly authentic relationships, also in my family. Not always easy, for sure, but I could really relate to a lot of things that people were going through. So I worked at this organization for like six years. It was a very, very great time. It was very great to learn a lot from a lot of professionals that were much older than me. And then at around November 2019, I started my own family coaching business together with my colleague that I met at the old organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do I do? I mean, we actually do two things that are very much related with each other content-wise, but they are a little different regarding the structures. One thing is we actually work together with the government, uh, with the Child Protective Service. So one big project we still do is working with families 
that are in very difficult situations. Oftentimes, also the child's well-being is at risk, you know. So there's families that are in very difficult situations. For example, in Germany, I think of 40 or 50,000 children each year are taken into custody because of uh, domestic violence, you know, or neglect. Yeah, we're there to help families, you know, stabilize their situation at home, you know, work on their relationships and on their issues to actually help them keep their children, you know. So that's one big project that we're doing. And the other branch that we're also just working privately with families now. So not just families that are in very, very deep problems like that, but also families who just want to, you know, invest their time and money privately into just making their families and relationships better. Oftentimes, we use the same kind of methodology, the same kind of tools and methods to help them. Mm -hmm. It's very helpful to be trained in crisis situations for, for any kind of family situation. So, yeah, that that's kind of the structure that we're working in right now. Of course, there's a lot more to say about how and mm -hmm. what kind of families we meet. But yeah, that was like a brief introduction. Uh, very well put. You know, I remember when you first told me about your work, a casual conversation, what do you do for work? Well, you know, we're, we're riding in a car and I remember like taking a double to like, whoa, like, <laughs> like crisis intervention. I mean, that, that sounds so, that's such a, a lot at stake there. It's like you're the last line often between child being taken away from their family or not. Right. And there's mm. a lot at stake for the parents, for those families. And so this is incredible to hear or just to know someone that does that kind of work. It's it's just something you, you expect to see on TV. Right? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes I think about it and I, I, I go like, oh, yeah, I do have a crazy job, you know, and it doesn't really feel weird anymore because it's kind of like a, a process, you know, you kind of get into that more and more. Also, the crisis intervention is something that I slowly specialized in after some years but now it feels so normal yeah and uh, i mean with the crisis working with crisis situation it also it's it's interesting of, of course i never lose the empathy but it does become a routine after a while you know same way how a policeman a firefighter or a, a emergency doctor they just do their job you know there's like mm -hmm. oh yeah hi someone broke their neck let's see if we can rescue them mm, right. <laughs> and it it's sometimes you you just have to be, stay calm and cool and mm -hmm. do your job you know so i also have a we often have like emergency plans that we make with families i also have my own emergency plans because obviously i have to do a, a good job so that i don't get in trouble for example you know i i have to be quite aware of the situation you know if i'm not sure about something i really need to check it out i have a few steps i always go through to make sure you know, the, if I'm not sure, you know, about the situation, about mm. some uh, mm. yeah event that happened, then I am mm -hmm. just have to double check and then you get into a great routine normally. Mm. It's so reassuring to have people like who are able to handle high stress situations. Just know that, mm. OK, if something really crazy happens, like they're the, the rocks that you can rely on. Right. And mm. anyway, I want to do that, throw that in there. I'm curious Thank what you. kind of. So these, these incidents that you and issues that you talk about, I'm, I'm curious what kind of stuff you've come across in your work regarding specific family mm. situations that you've seen. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Is there a genre that you like the most, like out of different kinds of scenarios you can think of? Mm. Well, <laughs> I probably I mean, experienced it. Yeah, well, yeah, not. And the point is to is to help people see the reality, right, of what, mm -hmm. what goes on in families, right? And just to... Mm remember the challenges people face. And we are a podcast specific about sex. So if there's any 
in that <clears throat> world that you've come across. Mm. Mm. Okay. I mean, you know, they, I always say that there's two tendencies of people, like two kind of branches that people fall into in, when they're in stress, you know? Mm-hmm. The one is to overreact, mm-hmm. you know, to become impulsive, aggressive. Uh, that's one tendency. And the other tendency is to kind of shut down, you know? That's mm-hmm. our two stress coping mechanisms uh, that they're also based on the attachment theory. You know, there's attachment types. There's one type that's called uh, insecure avoidant type and the other one is insecure ambivalent type, you know? So the ones that overreact and then the ones that shut down. Mm-hmm. So there's oftentimes, you know, we deal with either violence, meaning that, you know, parents get stressed out, don't know how to handle their children, uh, start yelling at them, sometimes start beating them up, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's families where neglect, you know, stress, oh, being overwhelmed is just a, a big topic, you know, not really being able to take care of the children's needs because they're overwhelmed and, and just busy with their own background story, you know. Oftentimes, obviously, you see a lot of patterns, you know. I've actually never talked to a family that had a wonderful childhood, you know, and then had problems with their own children, you know. Normally, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for example, one one mother I really remember, you know, it really touched me. She never really had a home, honestly speaking. You know, she got taken into custody herself when she was like a baby because her parents couldn't take care of her. And then it was just like she was moved from, you know, group home to group home, back to her family, violence again, back into a different home. She grew up in like eight different facilities, you know in her most important years, you know, between like, I don't know, two and 18, you know. So she has a lot of problems trusting people. She never really had anyone to bond to over a long amount of time. Yeah, she also was diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder. And yeah, uh, she was very impulsive. You know, she was very much struggling with taking care of her son. At the same time, she was also spoiling her son because she was kind of scared of losing that relationship, you know. So it was very hard for her to also be be clear and strict about certain things. And then, uh, yeah, we worked a lot on actually being clear, having rules in the house and still calmly, you know, actually being assertive is a word that I learned in English uh, lately. It's a very great word, you know, assertiveness. You can be calm and still clear. You know, that's a big, oftentimes that's what we're working on because every parent still wants to do the best for their children. They want to be good. They want to be loving. At the same time, they know, oh, you know, my my child still needs orientation. They still need rules, guidelines, being guided, you know, is a big thing. So to combine those two is not easy if you don't have your own emotional, how to say, base, you know, your own secure base because you're either not so good at connecting empathetically because you didn't receive any empathy or you're not so good at you know guiding being a good role model because you never had one or on the other hand also because you're scared to lose that kind of connection to your child you you think if you're if i'm being strict you know my child might turn their back towards me most of the time it's an irrational fear because our children love us and they need us but that's oftentimes something that people deal with yeah I mean, regarding sex, you were asking. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I would maybe start with, you know, the parents' relationship in general always plays a huge role, you know. I mean, of course, we also have single moms, single dads. But even in those cases, 
with divorce and everything, oftentimes there is still a big conflict going on in the background between the father and the mother. I always say that, you know, a, a divorce or a separation is only shifting the conflicts. You know, it's just that it's changing the conflict. But if it wasn't really a resolved harmonious divorce, which, which also exists, Mm -hmm. then the conflict just keeps going you know that they both want to see the child they have to you know make rules about who sees them when and oftentimes the child suffers because of the conflict between parents it's it's a very crucial point actually you know also if the mom hates the dad for example the child gets in a very difficult situation because 50 percent of their dna is 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 the dad so Oftentimes, they feel half of them is neglected, half of them is, you know, cut out. So it's very stressful. And then, of course, relationship issues play a big role. You know, violence or even, you know, shouting between parents is considered domestic violence. You know, it's by definition, if parents scream at each other, that's actually already a reason to intervene. You know, the child, of course, the more severe Mm. it is. You know, a baby, if a baby experiences parents heavily shouting at each other, that can cause, emotionally can cause them to feel life-threatened. They don't know what's going on. They just feel a huge amount of tension. Babies are very, very sensitive, and um, that can lead to a lot, you know, for babies. So why I was talking about this is because, of course, we all know. I mean, most people on this podcast probably know that we think that there's a big relationship between the emotional connection between parents and then sex, you know, the Mm -hmm. physical connection. Yeah, oftentimes there's a big lack in the emotional connection between parents. And yeah, sometimes we also talk about sex pretty clearly. I think actually High Noon has helped me (laughs) talk about sex more comfortably and easily with anyone. Uh, So yeah, yeah, I often bring bring, uh, topics sex topics up my, uh, more initially now <laughs> because of my my volunteer work with high noon it's been very helpful actually yeah mm. oh wow yeah that's such an important detail we forgot to mention that you're actually a, a facilitator and you're leading a high oh noon yeah small group. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wow. that's been fun too yeah but anyway yeah people appreciate that actually also in my work you know mm-hmm. to have like a, some kind of straightforwardness regarding that topic yeah, it's not always the topic, but definitely comes up mm-hmm. mm. sometimes. Appreciate that differentiation of the different kinds of, I guess, people, re- how they react to their own distress themselves and then the types of neglect that can manifest there. Because in the movies, right, that's like our mm-hmm. only concept of this kind of world often. And it's very aggressive, right? It's like beating and you know very violent emotionally or, or verbally. But like mm-hmm. neglect, neglect is actually its own form of abuse. True. That I think can come up a lot that that gets understated often mm-hmm. and just the inability to actually take care of a child and even when you're talking about that i thought about my own mom that uh i found out i don't know it's ha- my mom mentioned it in very casually one time but that mm-hmm. she never actually owned her own toothbrush until she was 18 years old right wow and and i think just the little bits i've heard about her own childhood growing up is that she would definitely fall into the category of neglect uh being mm-hmm. raised right and then you know her parents had a lot of issues that you know like world war mm-hmm. World War II veteran and, you know, like that kind of thing. So that, that, that was insightful for me to hear that. I appreciate you talking about it. All the, your experience working with these kinds of cases and looking at, you know, what's the cause of them. Uh, what would you advise for people at, you know, there's different stages that are important. There's like as an individual preparing to get married, there's people already in a relationship and even for parents, what would you advise to people as 
preventative measures or, or healthy measures to incorporate into their uh, into their relationship? Yeah, that's of course a very good question. I love preventative work, of course, even though some oftentimes you know I work with families where I think, man, I wish we did this with them ten years ago. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's very important to know that no matter how good your intentions are, no matter how much you want to do things differently than your parents did, chances are very, very high that down the line, you know, in stressful moments in your relationship, once you're in a relationship, patterns will come up, you know, mm -hmm. because the whole point is parenting and relationships in general, they're not really that rational. You know, it's a lot of our behavior is really rooted in our emotions. So especially in stressful moments, we tend to react emotionally, you know. So first thing I advise people to do is to ask yourself, how did your parents react towards you in stressful moments? Chances are high that you're going to be able to tell me now, oh, yeah, it was either very aggressive or either very avoidant, you know. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not very, you know, but on, on the spectrum of mm -hmm. too aggressive, on a spectrum of too avoidant, you know. Once you learn or reflect on that, there's a high chance that you're going to be similar in stressful moments with your spouse, with your children. Mm -hmm. So already reflecting on that, working on that, learning about that is a very helpful thing. Because also a lot of times you feel guilty. I remember that, you know, the first time I got angry with my children, I felt so guilty. You know, I felt so bad. You know, I learned already a lot about uh, my work at that time. And I was like, gosh, Yoni, why are you doing that? You know, it's like, don't you know that yelling at your children is bad? You know, that's the whole point. We all know what's good for our children rationally. It's pretty easy to break it down what our uh, children need. But chances are high that you're going to be confronted with that. So to reflect on what you experience as a child in stressful moments is very helpful to prepare. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mean, you know, I'm I'm coaching a lot of parents. So oftentimes, if you detected something like that, you know, some kind of behavior in that sense, you know, how, how you react under stress, I think there's obviously different ways that you can approach that, you know, people meditate to be more calm and less impulsive. People go to therapy if they have like a tendency to be very depressed, for example, or to avoid conflict. There's different ways, of course. Always feel free to contact me, of course. Uh, we do a lot of online coaching nowadays. Right, yeah. But the whole point is, I like the high noon principle of, you know, being authentic and being very open in your communication, you know, is a very first step as well, you know. And how we get to that point of raw connection also with our clients is by first looking at all the great things, you know, and you should start doing that with yourself as well. You know, once you feel guilty about how you are as a partner or as a dad or as a mom, you can reflect, you know, why am I that way? You know, you can look back in your childhood. But then the next step is it's very important to be aware of all your strong points, you know, mm -hmm. to write them down, write them down. Why you're a great dad, why you're a great mom, mm -hmm. why you're a great spouse. We always do that. You know, you know how I've mentioned a few families where there's there was so much bullshit going on. Sorry, I don't know if you can how much you can swear on this podcast, but fine. but every single family, you know, we start looking at the resources we started okay what's this family good at what's this family good at and how can that help us manage this crisis situation because 
there's so much potential in the in the resources. Mm-hmm. And then once you figured out all the resources, then you can become more honest about the weak points. People can get very defensive. Also, if you reflect about yourself, you can you can even get defensive because you don't want to admit, you know, that it has a lot to do with ego, of course. But also, mm-hmm. it's also a coping mechanism. You know, you kind of know that you you have both sides in you, you know, strong points and weak points. But there needs to be always time to acknowledge all the strong points in a family first. You know, and I always ask for permission. Hey, I really want to work with you on your strong points. I really want to understand how great your family is and all the good things that you're doing as a family already, all the things that worked in the past, everything. Give me everything. I want to hear it all. You know, we, so we build up the family. Mm-hmm. We really want to, yeah, hear all about that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can also reflect on, I ask for permission, you know, hey, is it okay if I also understand, you know, what was going on what was very difficult for you you know what Mm -hmm. uh, can i also share my about my worries that i have regarding topic xyz Mm -hmm. and normally after that you know after you you could really strengthen someone by acknowledging all the good things Mm -hmm. it's people are much more yeah receptive towards Mm -hmm. constructive criticism so we, I got the, we're mm-hmm. looking at assessing or just re, no reflecting on how you were as a child when something stressful happened and like how exactly. your parents responded to it. That is very likely to be a blueprint for how you'll also act yep. in situations as in, in your marriage, as a parent. Mm-hmm. So then what do you suggest for people to do with that information? Right. Like mm-hmm. what's that, uh, what to do with that insight? Like, oh, yeah, my dad, he always emotionally shut down and just like he would, you know, disappear for a couple hours and we never, you know, and he'd never confide or whatever, something like that. Right. And then to know that about myself, then what, what should I do with that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it, of course, it's connected to my second point that I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. You know, then it depends on what kind of resources you have to mm-hmm. train yourself to try out a healthier approach. You know, mm-hmm. some people have a lot of resources. Because, for example, they had, you know, the mom was very good with confronting uh, certain conflicts, for example. So they mm-hmm. kind of know both. You know, they might have this tendency of, of their dad who was, who was always shutting down. But then they also kind of know how to do it from their mom, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, So uh, then, of course, you can you can try to detect it and then try to make a conscious effort, you know, to mm-hmm. be more confronting. Try it out, you know, try it out carefully to be more confronting and then see normally chances are high that nothing bad will happen if you change your uh, strategy regarding Mm -hmm. that, you know, then you can gain some self-confidence. Okay, I tried it out differently and it worked out uh, in a better way, you know, Mm -hmm. especially with with confronting people are scared to lose, you know, some kind of love from their partner if they do that. Yeah, that works to a certain extent, you know, then of course it differs. If you notice that you are aware of it, you know, you, you reflected on it and you're trying out to be more confronting or you're trying to, to be more calm in a conflict through, you know, your own kind of resources that you have, your own ideas, how to change that, you know, maybe meditate in the morning or just maybe reflect in the evening, whatever it is. If you notice that you keep getting into that pattern, then I honestly think it's never too early to get someone else involved. Mm. Go to someone that you really respect. You know, there's a lot of great people out there. Maybe there's someone in your natural network already that mm-hmm. can be an emotional rock for yourself that you can share with an older bro or an older mm-hmm. sis or 
yeah that that's we we always do that in our work as well of course you know we we always look at um what are the resources in the network you know mm-hmm. i i actually i mean we sammy we talk a lot as well you know i've i've had moments in my life where i really needed people to talk to i did also talk to professionals about certain topics but to have a natural um network is very important you know to have mm-hmm. someone also in who's not maybe so connected to the family to to talk to about the situation you know mm. and then of course we have a lot of methods in our repertoire uh working uh, or you know communication skills that are very important to be more constructive if you are in mm. a in a very difficult situation if you notice that uh, this pattern always comes up you know so of course there's always a professional don't wait if the thought came across your mind oh i might i maybe should check out a professional then you most definitely should you can never do that too late i also it's also a stigma still a big stigma around getting professional help Mm -hmm. and that's actually something i'm very passionate about Mm -hmm. you're not yeah i mean why do people still see that way that getting professional help is such a big deal you know you also Mm -hmm. go get a fitness coach and no one is looking at you like oh man you need a you really need a fitness coach or oh, man you you really must be very unhealthy you know no one does that you know regarding emotional fitness you know it's still considered oh yeah he didn't he, he needs help you know he mm. he has a big problem or whatever you know i really try to see it the way that people or pe- people should see it as a way of you know emotional wellness it's something that you deserve you know you deserve to figure out your emotions you deserve to have healthier and greater relationships and if there's ways that can help you with that, I mean, there's literally nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really honorable to me. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. You know, back to that fitness example, it's ironic that the people, you look at the people who invest the most into their health, it's mm-hmm. the people you think need it the least, right? It's always the fittest people yeah. who are most religious about getting their workout and going to the gym or, you know, like LeBron James is like the last person who probably needs someone telling him what he what he should should be eating right and what kind of exercises sure. he should be doing right mm-hmm. but but he spends you know i read i listened to podcasts interviewing him he spends like literally millions of dollars a year on his body getting yeah. uh nutrition experts and muscle experts or whatever to mm-hmm. keep him in top form so exactly what you're saying it's like yeah no one bats an eye at that right it makes sense but when it comes to our emotional health it's the exact opposite and it's it's people who People think it's only people with problems that do that kind of thing. Is that kind of stigma that you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. That's oh man, thank you for widening my great. Ex- that was an even better, yeah, example for what I was talking about. You know, I'm gonna use that, Sammy, in the future. LeBron James, yeah, that's a good one. Very well put. That's exactly how I see it. Also, whenever you get a license, become a licensed social worker, a therapist, a counselor, whatever, a big part of becoming or stepping into that occupation is self-reflection you know there's you learn a lot about methods you know about communication skills and tools Uh, you learn a lot about all kinds of things but you also learn to understand your own situation you know becoming a therapist you you kind of have to go through therapy yourself you know to to first of all be authentic and secondly also not get triggered by everything that's happening in families you know you have to be able to handle it so Mm -hmm. I I myself also, you know, invested a lot in myself already, you know, in mentors and coaches and counselors. That's to me, that's like a no brainer to to do that, to keep investing in myself. 
Also, mm -hmm. like last year, before 2019, when I was still employed, you know, every year my company paid thousands of euros for trainings, you know, for me and my colleagues. Now I'm self-employed, you know, we have our own business. We've paid thousands and thousands of euros in, in coaching for ourselves, in mental coaching, in business coaching, in any kind of coaching. So that's something, yeah, that, as you said, that's just something that should be so much more normal. Yeah. For all, for all you Americans out there listening, euros, it, that's a type of money that they oh, yeah. use in <laughs> Europe. <laughs> no, I'm sure everyone knows what that is. The world does not just yeah. revolve around America and its dollars. So one thing I respect about you so much, Yoni, is that you, you never, you don't pretend, right, to have it all together. Like you're this mm -hmm. very qualified expert in this field of relationships, with, especially within the family. But you also recognize that you're susceptible to the same blind spots and pitfalls that anyone experiences in a marriage. And then so you do all these things like invest in your own relationship and in, in yourself. And when mm -hmm. things do come up, you have your network that you're talking about, you confide in others, I'm, you know, you've called me a number of times to talk about what's going on. And that's mm. really remarkable quality that you don't pretend that just because you're, you know, a relationship expert, that you're not, that you never deal with any of those things. Mm. And I think that's such a, a valuable point for people listening, because there's people that are like that in different fields, like um, anyone in any kind of leadership or authoritative position, that, that's a, a personal struggle that they deal with, like as a pastor, right, that you're supposed mm. to be the spiritual rock for people and that you're never allowed to have any to waver in your faith at all or to have any problems back in your family life and that everything's just supposed to be perfect. And so, you know, someone speaking from that kind of place as well. Uh, it'd be mm. really powerful for people to see the reality of what people deal with. Yeah, thank you, Sammy. Yeah, it's a very important point, actually, you know. I mean, I'm still definitely, you know, still on the journey figuring out life. You know, everyone is, uh, no matter how educated or qualified you are, no matter what kind of experiences you went through. I learned the, the best lessons from the most messed up people, you know, in my work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone has their strong points. Everyone has their weak points. So... Yeah, I mean, in my intro, I uh, briefly said in my own family, I had very authentic relationships. So I think that trait comes from my dad. My dad has a, had a lot of issues <laughs> or still has sometimes. <laughs> you know, he had a very, very tough childhood. His dad passed away when he was a child. It was very traumatic for him. And But what I learned from my dad was to, you know, pour your heart out to not hold anything back you know my dad was always so great at calling everything out and you know having family meetings whenever it was very tough and difficult he also basically taught me how to say sorry how to be you standing up for your mistakes you know for your flaws your personal relationship to yourself is the key you know to lead a healthy relationship if you don't have a relationship to yourself a healthy one it's very difficult for you to have a healthy um, relationship to others and to your spouse. You know, when I realized, okay, no matter what, no matter what, I will be okay. I have to be okay and I have to be happy no matter what happens. Anything could happen. There could be a crazy accident happening. How would I be doing? Of course, you can be, it's okay to be sad and to uh, reflect or, or you, you can work through trauma, of course, you know, but you, the mindset is so important because otherwise, if you try to cage your status quo, if you try to cage your love that you've built, it's not going to work. It's not going to keep growing. Mm -hmm. So that was a very important lesson for me. 
you can't force anyone to be your friend. You can't force your wife to still love you if if mm. she doesn't at the moment, you know. And that's mm -hmm. okay. You have to love needs to breathe, you know. Ne love needs to be free, and then a love can grow. Wow. Uh, even and I think exactly what you talked about is you know when Jesus says like those who seek to die shall live, and those who seek to live shall die. Right. It's like the the more we hold on to something, then the, the, it slips between our fingers, and then as soon as you let go. So Yoni. Thank you so much for the time for to share and be here with us. And, you know, you've mentioned that you right now are working as a family coach. And so yeah. for those listening that want to reach out to you or thinking, oh, maybe what Yoni does would be good for me. One, what kind of people would be good for to reach out to you? And then two, how can they mm -hmm. contact you? Okay. So one thing is that, of course, if you've If you're dealing with any kind of violence in your family, any kind of highly stressful situations and crisis situations in your family, I'm very familiar with that kind of stuff. So, of course, if you consider yourself being in a crisis personally or in a relationship right now, it doesn't hurt to reach out to me. It's definitely could be a good idea. And as we talked in our talk here, uh, as we mentioned, Sammy and I are both fans of preventive work. If you notice that, you know, your family patterns, your, your patterns of your own childhood uh, get in your way sometimes that causes you to be scared or if you're just fearful around that topic and you don't, you feel stuck, you don't have to be necessarily in a crazy crisis situation, especially regarding parenting. You know, if you're, if things are not that har harmonious, you know, if you're struggling with something, we have a very specific focus on attachment theory, on, you know, how relationships, how the connection of between people comes first and then parenting can happen as a result from that so mm -hmm. if that speaks to you you can reach out to me anytime and then mm -hmm. regarding my personal situation and also in my work even though we're uh, mostly focused on parenting we also deal with with a lot of couples that come to us if you're having a hard time uh, with your spouse give it a try and how do you guys contact me that's a good question we still didn't even translate our website into english it's just in german at this point mm -hmm. so i'm maybe just going to give you my email address yeah we'll, uh, and we'll link that so people can can contact you some people they uh they only listen they don't check the notes so your email is okay the e <laughs> the email is info at das relationship I, i'm going to spell it out d-a-s relationship dot com Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, right. that's our name. Das Relationship is our company's name. Uh, relationship means uh, is English, of course, and then right. DAS basically means the relationship. I'm not going to explain the details. It's like a wordplay in German, but mm. whatever. <laughs> All right. So yeah, well, so that's your email, and we'll link that so people can find the written version. And so it sounds so anybody that is dealing with old behavioral patterns that's getting in the way of your marriage or your parenting, which sounds like just about everybody is dealing with some kind of behavioral pattern that's getting in the way of your relationships. You're a good candidate to contact Yoni and he's a really great friend of mine. I really vouch for him. He's a phenomenal guy to have supporting you in your corner and you're, you're in the boxing ring with life and you want to win and, and have raise a great family. He's a fantastic person. And Thank you so um, much, you Sammy, provide, for your words. In, yeah, you provide serv your services in German and English, I'm presuming. Yeah, no problem. Exactly. And Chinese. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So for our ginormous Chinese audience, you can. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Yoni. It's really great to catch up. 
Thank you too, Sammy. This was great. And um, yeah, Sammy is doing so great. He would be, I mean, he is such a great coach. So much fun. And I, again, like High Noon is so great, guys. I mean, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I've adapted a lot of High Noon mindsets into my work. So I'm very grateful for that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate knowing that. And it, it's really cool to work together. You know, like I mentioned, you, you've been such a big support for High Noon facilitating leading recovery group and it's it's really comforting having you on our corner just whenever something comes up knowing that there's someone we can we can consult to how to deal with a certain situation mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah, if no anything it's, it's just fun to have an excuse to hang out more oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah. awesome. right, so, thank you so much yes, Sammy. yes thank you yoni thank you all listening in we'll see you guys next time Hello everybody, Andrew Love here, and I just wanted to add one more point. High Noon is a nonprofit organization, and we are run by donations. And although we've been doing okay thanks to the massive generosity of our founders, the Wolfenbergers, we want to expand higher, 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 higher. We want to make a global impact. We want to reach every family. We want to change the culture. And for that to happen, we're going to need a lot of volunteers and a lot of staff. That's just the reality. It takes money to travel. It takes money to do a lot of the things we do. And we want to let you be a part of this growth. And so what we've created is a donors club, which is a $10 a month club. And when you join, you get a t-shirt mailed to your door. You can get some exclusive content. And we also have some really good goodies for our tribe of people who are part of the donors club that we're going to talk about in the coming months so i just wanted to invite you to be one of these people everybody can afford ten dollars a month it's just a matter of whether it's a priority so if you feel high noon has impacted you positively or your family or somebody you know please consider donating i don't want you to give any money unless you really really want to but if you do want to i encourage you to really really donate so $10 a month is, I don't know, a cat a month. I don't know how to measure it. It's a giant hamburger and french fries a month that you can sacrifice in order to help this world become a more habitable, more enjoyable, more connected, more loving place. So please consider joining our Donors Club. It's just $10 a month. We look forward to seeing you on the inside of our secret society for donors. Have a good day, everybody.